Hey everybody, it's Mike Morielli, Commissioner and Co-Founder of the CEBL, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams, and you know I'm never alone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm with the man, the myth, the legend, the one that I know knows so much about NFTs, specifically UFC as well. Guy's crushing it, calling every fight, getting every everything right, even down to how the fighter is going to win. And also... Friends, don't forget to go to the Pro Sports Podcasters website and sign up for our newsletter, which comes out once a month. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Colbert Durant. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How you been? Oh, living the dream. I just saw Oppenheimer, actually. That was a great movie. Yeah, it's worth it. I saw it as well, and it's kind of nice to see people getting back out to the theater after being such a a dark sort of black hole for the longest time where no one was going, but people are going back. And it was, yeah, it was great to stand in line and have my order wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I literally went to the Bolton Theater, like the landmark, and they're like, we don't have large popcorn. Here's two smalls. I'm like, what? Anyways, that's a different story for a different time. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend today, this man has nothing to do with the UFC or Oppenheimer, but this guy is a commissioner of the CEBL, one of the largest North American basketball leagues. <laughs> and I'm so excited to have him on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mike Morelli. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How you doing? living the dream it's an honor to have you on well thank you i appreciate you guys uh taking a chance on me and giving me some time oh of course now mike kobe knee and myself the members of the pro sports podcasters we're all huge fans of basketball and we're big fans of the cebl to the point where we actually have photographers physically going to your games and we're getting exclusive photos shout out to elisa tran now with that being said sir can you explain to some fans who might not be in tune with the CEBL, what makes you different? Like, let's starting with your schedule. Well, that's, you know, there's a lot of things that make us different. But the, first and foremost, you know, we're recognized as the official pro basketball league in the country because of our relationship with Canada basketball. And we, we take a non-typical look at the season and when our season is played. We play in the spring and summer, a downtime for international basketball, most basketball across the, the world. And uh, anywhere from middle of May to middle of August, you can find us at courts across uh, across this great country. That is so cool. We love that. Okay. So the scheduling is only about uh, two-ish months, we'll say. Uh, now, to further that point, what makes the playoffs different? We do what's called a championship weekend. So basically, it's modeled after an NCAA Final Four meets the Grey Cup. So it really takes the festival component of what a Grey Cup would be for CFL fans out there and then combines it with kind of that single elimination, high impact, high entertainment, big time games with our semifinals or our conference finals and our finals all in one destination with 3x3, 
and a festival component and an award show and a commissioner's breakfast. And we wanted to create a basketball event that was culturally significant and really spoke to, you know, the bigger parts of basketball that make it so special, like music and art and lifestyle and culture and everything that goes along with it. It does indeed. And I mean, speaking of music, you guys had Jay Colin last season with the Scarborough Shooting Stars, and that was absolutely phenomenal. I saw that it was packed out almost every game. Drake made an appearance. so that And, and they made it to the finals too, which was just icing on top of the cake. The only thing that would be sweeter is if they had won the championship, but unfortunately it didn't go their way. With the CBL, what separates you from the NBLC, the National Basketball League of Canada? Well, I mean, that league doesn't even exist anymore. So, I mean, I can go on and give you all the differences, but I don't think it's worthwhile. You know, while they were in existence, they um, they served their, they had their moment, they did what they needed to do. And we wanted to be completely different and do something completely different and not interrupt what they were doing. Uh, and we were successful in doing so. And uh, I mean, to me, more basketball is good for everybody. So right now, if, if we're the only league up and running in this country and, and proud to do it, then we'll take the lead and we'll do the best we possibly can. That's exactly it. And one more question before I pass you off to my neighbor. For the pandemic, how did you guys survive that? You know what? We survived because we believed we could. And I think a lot of it was just not even knowing and being a bit uh, you know, naive to the fact of what, what COVID was and, and how it would affect us. But we, we found out like everybody did across the world mid, mid-March of, of 2020 and made a decision that, you know, come May, we were going to find a solution to get back on a court. And we did that, and we did it successfully. It was the very first league in the entire country to return to a bubble. We followed that up with in 2021, and we're the first league in the entire country to return fans to stands. So we were a bit of a, you know, paved the way for a lot of other groups behind us, and and that really kind of made us stronger. It certainly wasn't easy, you know, when there's no money coming in the door, but, you know, we made a uh, commitment to what we built. We believed in the long-term vision of it, and now we get to reap the benefits of staying the course. And this is why you're a commissioner and I am a humble podcaster. <laughs> I'm also a podcaster. So there you go. Ooh, one as well. ooh, plug it. Plug it right now. Plug it. Go oh, it, it's okay. I, I, I still, in my former life, I played uh, in the CFL for 12 years and eight of those were with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and, and myself and a good friend of mine, Rob Hitchcock, have a podcast on the, on the Cats audio network. So, hey, if anybody's listening, I know there are a lot of Toronto fans, so I understand, you know, being a Cat fan is like taboo. I get it. But uh, if you're looking for something to listen to and want a good laugh, then go for it. Perfect. Now, hold on a second. You, you won a great cup with the Toronto Argonauts. He won two. I did. I did. I won one in Toronto, one in Hamilton. Okay. So there's, you can't hate on you. We can't hate. I saw you play. No, you right? can't. Just, I mean, come on. <laughs> you right? can't hate on me. It's the Hamilton fans that hate on me because oh, okay. I played for Toronto. That's the thing. And I'm a Hamiltonian. So it's a tough city. You won them a great cup, right? Come on. <laughs> I did. I did. I know. It's a tough city. <laughs> All right. Now the CBL is only, what, four years old? Like it launched in 2019? We're in our fifth season right now. Yep. Okay. And you started with six teams. You're now at 10? That's correct. So the expansion has been rapid. Which markets have really taken to it the most? You know what? We've, we've, um, we've seen a lot of success in, in some of our major markets. And I think that was one of the things that we realized over the last year or so is that, you know, we had a 
big time league. We had big time players. Uh, we knew our entertainment was was top notch, and we started to see results of that in in places like Montreal and places like Scarborough and you know other bigger markets like Edmonton out west and in Vancouver out west. So we 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 made the kind of you know decision conscious decision to try to get into those major markets, try and get into a true east and west division and and see what this league can do in markets that have major media and you know partners and businesses and an opportunity to kind of attach or attract you know more fans and when I look at it across across the board, you know we've been very successful. There's still a couple markets that need some some more love because they're you know relatively new, like a Brampton, but we didn't get in until this year in January. So, but we love what Brampton's going to bring. Uh, obviously there's the, you know, the Scarborough influence with, with Sam and Nico and Lowe and those guys have been tremendous. And you spoke to about that, but I mean, you got to look at places like Winnipeg and Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver that are just doing lights out. We Winnipeg just broke another record. They had 8,200 people in the stands um, the other day. They'll likely come close to breaking that again for their playoff game coming up on Friday. So it's it's definitely working. It's pretty exciting to see it take hold in, in those big cities and and really become part of the you know sporting landscape in this country. And and what's your plans for growth beyond this? Now, looking at say the next five years, what do you what do you have in store? Well, I, I think we're likely going to be at eleven teams sooner than later, and we'd like to get to twelve to obviously balance out uh, an East and West conference. Mm-hmm. So I think by twenty five, you'll likely see us at a twelve team league. There is talk, you know, from other areas to go more than that. Now that we've kind of moved on from like a single entity group that, you know, the league owned all the teams and now six of our teams uh, are owned or 10 of our teams are owned by six people. We've kind of brought in all these external owners and they've made us better and they've invested in their product. So we just have to sit down and and decide, you know, where we want to go and when. But the good thing is we have options and there's a lot of basketball fans across the country. There's a lot of basketball players across the country and soon to be developed. And that gives us a lot of excitement and hope. Excellent. Excellent. I'm looking forward to your growth, buddy. So am I. Although I must admit, being from Newfoundland, I'm actually really sad to see the Growlers go. Hmm. Also, do you get do you did you help name them because they literally just stole the name from the uh, the <laughs> hockey team? I was like, what the heck is happening here? Yeah, we had a, a relationship with the operating group that owns the hockey team, which is why they were also the Growlers. And we just ran into a situation there. I I love Newfoundland. I mean, they were a great part of our league, but we should have been in the main arena. And there's a lot of politics that go on uh, in some of those smaller towns, as you likely know, and the inability to get into the main arena. Uh, just wasn't working for us. And, you know, if, if you look at kind of what we've done in other markets, like we're in major spectator facilities, we can't be in a, in a, in a gym. And even in, in Scarborough, we all realize that's just a temporary home until, right. you know, the new one is built. So, but in the case of, of Newfoundland, we, we couldn't get into the arena in the foreseeable future. And unfortunately you just got to do what's best for the business. And, and we made the right moves and the league is flourishing. Well, I do hope you come back to it selfishly. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> of course. Also, a uh, little caveat, but uh, the Ottawa Blackjacks follow me on Twitter. That was one of their first followers, so I'm very nice. proud of that. Um, nice. <laughs> just a little feather in my cap there. But again, moving forward, Mike, is there a salary cap in the CEBL? 
Yes, there is a salary cap. Um, there is a yearly salary cap, but there's also a per game salary cap. Ooh. And the reason we do that is because we have player movement. We're a player first league. So, you know, if a player wants to go for an NBA tryout or to summer league or, or some sort of G league, uh, it, uh, you know, practice or tryout or, or what have you, like there is some flexibility in, in allowing players back and forth from a roster. It adds the complexities from a coaching perspective, but it, it really helps us attract really high end players because they know they're not locked in here that we're going to, you know, do whatever we can to make sure that they get exposed and get all the opportunities they would get in more. So that, that allows us on a per game cap. If people come and go that you're not burdened by salaries that in a player is not in town or not using them and the system works and it it's a way that they could team can can plan for the ebb and flow of the season as players and coming and going they can plan they can put money away into a bonus pool and there's other ways in which the players get paid but um it's been a successful part to how we structured the league we love that now just kind of doing some research on this it only shows an eight thousand dollar salary cap is that eight thousand per game or is that per team it's per game, but then there also are rules based on what players, some are paid by the league, some are excluded by the cap. Mm. There's also doesn't take into consideration uh, player bonuses or playoff money or, you know, championship bonuses, et cetera. So there's, there's some fluidity to the cap in terms of how you structure your team and what you're able to, to pay. And, and depending on how you stack your team, do, do you go with a, you know, more developmental players uh, and then a higher end top end. Do you play kind of middle of the road across the board? It, that really becomes the, you know, the, the GM's responsibility and the coach's responsibility to, to manage that throughout the year. And that's a kind of interesting part of what we do. That I really like that. Also the flexibility too, because during the pandemic, there was like what, three or four, maybe even five players that got a 10 day contracts with the NBA that yes, might not have got that look earlier. So like good on you. Yeah, very we were very fortunate. Over the last uh about sixteen months we've sent nine players to the NBA to NBA contracts and we'll likely send, I'm pretty sure I'm well aware of one soon, but we'll likely send a, a handful more this year. And and as a domestic league, that's really unheard of. I mean you hear that come out of the G League. Um you don't really hear that with that many players all at once coming out of a domestic league. So yeah. you know again that's just proof that there's a pathway to wherever players want to go uh, through the CBL and the CBL can help get you there, whether it's an NBA tryout or, or a G League roster spot or a better contract overseas. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. SoRare is a game that you can play this season and the next, and the next, and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. Get involved, get in the game, get some cards, and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? Yes, you just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited rare or unique cards you can do that too but at a base level this is really just a free fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports because process podcasters we know our thing but so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room so hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on so rare own your game
you have such a firm handshake with multiple organizations that it's hard to not look at the CBL and be not as a developed player being like, I want to go there. I, yeah. Obviously, you want to get drafted in the NBA, but if you don't, there are many avenues, and you, sir, have created another great, reliable avenue for Canadian players and all players alike. So thank you for that. Oh, no, it's it's my pleasure. And really, that we built it for the right reasons. We built it uh, for, for two main reasons. One was to showcase all of the great Canadian talent that's had to leave this country yeah. uh, for decades and decades, and we know who that is, and we still haven't got them all back, but we want to. Yeah, of course. And then there's the development of new players and the development of players for the national team and the way to develop players under FIBA rules so that we're prepared on the world stage because we're so influenced by the NBA here. You know, our focus is always NBA, NBA, NCAA, NBA, that we lose focus. The fact that the true basketball the, from a world perspective is the FIBA game. So, you know, all those things play into There's many different reasons as to why. But fundamentally, we really wanted to help grow Canadian basketball and leave a legacy. And I can tell you in our in our short amount of time here, I feel like we've really, you know, lived up to that and we still have a lot of work to do. But I think we've we've been that kind of bit of a shining light for others to come and follow. And that's all we ever wanted was to get everybody coming together rather than being apart. And that's exactly it. And now, before I pass it over to Kobe, I do have kind of one other question for you that's Maybe you can't answer on air, but in terms of expansion, you had mentioned that you'd like to get to, by 2025, have 12 teams. Looking at across the provinces right now, we have two in Alberta. We have four, if you will, in uh, Ontario. Will Saskatchewan see its rival Regina show up, or could we possibly see an American team expand? I mean, there's. I've had some feelers from from American uh, teams, usually you know within the border areas. Yeah. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. Uh, I think we want to make sure we we exhaust you know the proper opportunities uh, selectively in Canada. So you mentioned Regina, of course. Regina is a is an opportunity. It's a market. We're we're running our what we call a clash event, which is essentially almost like a like an all star game event this year. Uh, in Quebec City. So Quebec City is certainly a market that we're interested in and the reason why we're going there. And then if we're in the East, then we should balance it in the West. So if it's not, you know, a place like Regina, it could be a Kelowna or a Victoria or other similar type areas. So, uh, and we haven't even touched the East Coast, uh, which could technically, theoretically be a whole other province. Um, although there's a lot of baggage in the East Coast. So, you know, we'll kind of <laughs> leave that to discuss another day. But um, we do have a, you know, it's not expansion at all costs. It's it's expanding properly and yep. building from within. So being successful from a league perspective, being successful from a team perspective, and then starting to really continue to game plan and get better and better over time. Oh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the success you've already had, I mean, you obviously play, play an integral part in that, but how do you go from being a star player in Canadian football at every level to becoming the CEBL commissioner. It's it's a long story and a short story all, all at the same time. I mean, my my I spent twenty some odd years in the CFL in some capacity as a player, as executive member of the Player Association and president of the Player Association, and in working you know with league office on the marketing um, and exposures for players. So I, I had and then got into broadcast. So the only reason I'm saying that is that I had such a well rounded view of the CFL, I, I felt like I knew it pretty, you know, intrinsically. 
Mm-hmm. And the CFL was at that time, and you know, it still is the longest, but was at that time the only domestic professional league in this entire country that was really, you know, a pro league, you know, Canadian league through and through. And then all of a sudden, you know, we come on the stage and so does the CPL, the, the, the soccer version of kind of the CBL, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started building, you know, I almost say it's the CFL of basketball, but I was able to start with a blank slate and be able to really look at all the great things that the CFL was able to do and the experiences I had as a player and executive otherwise. And then to avoid some of the, some of the things that maybe I, I didn't believe were being done well and to structure it from the beginning. So you were able to create it. So, you know, I think we're, we're very Canadian in some respects, very pro Canadian from our Canadian content to, you know, how we design the rules and the importance of the game and in the name of what we do. And then, you know, we also want to be different. We want to be difference makers. We want to be uh, entertainers and we want to build content and we want to do all these things, you know, make us more than just basketball. So that, that all, takes time and, and sometimes you roll the dice and you build but you build this framework and you and you spend a lot of time on it it's probably a year and a half before we ever tipped off if not more that we we're just building the framework mm-hmm. so I, I really believe at this point we were able to get through the covids and all this other stuff because the foundation was strong and then from here we can start really building what we want now uh, pandemic aside was there any significant bumps that you came across you weren't prepared for oh man it's hard to compare anything to COVID it was like you know you you couldn't go to school for any of that stuff I I will tell you that the bits and pieces of that it it wasn't so much the you know the restrictions etc it was it was the lobbying and the political discussions and the discussions with you know all levels of government in different provinces and different caretakers, whether it's health or or sport or you name it. Like there was there was a roadblock everywhere you went. So you know I I don't we we kind of lump the pandemic into one thing and we you know it's over and boy that was tough. But at every turn there was a hundred reasons why we could have stopped um, because nobody knew what was going on so everything after that seems relatively easy there's always little hiccups along the way you know my job is a great job until the basketball starts and they got to deal with all these crazy coaches and gms and everybody <laughs> because the competition ramps up right but you know i'm built for it this is what i did my whole life so the bumps around the road now are just just part of the job there there's none that i don't think are going to completely stop us in our tracks i think we've we've been through a lot and we're prepared now to handle any big bumps, but knock on wood, we've, we've been blessed with excellent, excellent uh, play on the court. And we've been able to deliver that, you know, whether you're a fan in the stands or you're at home watching TSN or watching our, our own platform and or watching our socials. Like, I think we do a really good job at delivering that content in a compelling way. And the players on the court just make it look so good. Now, which socials are you referring to when it comes to people want to look up the CBL? At CBL League, just one L, so at CEB League, um, that's our main socials that cross you know all platforms, uh, and then from there you can certainly connect with all of our ten teams, uh, our cha- championship weekend socials, etc. So that you know we started with a vision on how the CBL would be, you know how it would look, how it would feel, what it would mean, and we've really stuck to that. We wanted to make sure that we created a brand that that meant something that. When you looked at it, it felt a certain way. And I'm really proud of that my staff to be able to kind of continue to just make us better and better. 
Right on. No, you guys are doing a great job, buddy. Fantastic job. Thank you. You guys are absolutely crushing it. And it's like I said, it's an honor to have you a part of this. Now, before we kind of let you go, I do have kind of a non even CEBL question, but more or less just like a you personal question. So playing in the CFL, you're a two time champion, you've won uh, three awards from what I can pull up from from medias and stuff like that. With all that success in the CFL, and translating that to the CEBL, what have you taken in terms of mindset mentality from player to to broadcaster to owner to operator to all that how are you taking that and squishing it into this new league so so well i i, I don't know i i think i i can't put my finger on exactly what it is but i i really believe that you know one we know who we are and we know who we aren't so we don't try to be more than what we are we, we recognize our place. We just want to master that spot. But for me personally, you know, playing a sport at a high level and playing you know, the sport of football with 60 something other guys, you know, and doing that for 12 years and playing with thousands of people, players that have come and gone, you learn a lot that just in life, you learn a lot. You're put into situations that, you know, normal, I say normal people, but you know, people that have normal jobs wouldn't be part of right and um, you can either take that and really learn it and really take what you learn and now put it somewhere else but for me it was the failure and and I always say I have no feel, fear of failure but you have to fail you know multiple times to finally realize it's just part of doing things like it's a part of making magic is you, you're gonna have to have a couple things that go wrong now and again so you know I look back on my career and I had a very successful career but I also I don't look at it that way all the time. I look at it as, man, I could have done more, or I should have did this, or I dropped this pass, or I missed this tackle, or, you know, that's the way I approach it. And then the way I approach the CBL is not to make those mistakes again. So I don't want to become complacent. I don't want to be the guy that 10 years from now says, I should have done this better. That's how I, my brain is positioned when I get up that I got I to gotta keep making magic. Um, I can't put my foot off the gas and magic you're making. That should be the name of the next team that whatever comes in <laughs> the Regina magic wizards. I don't even know. Anyways, moving forward. Um, <laughs> Mike, before we get you off here, how can our friends, family and stalkers find you on social media? Yeah, for me, it's Mike Morielli 18. So Mike Morielli, I'll let you guys figure out how to spell it. And uh, number, uh, just the one and the eight. And uh, if you look at the CBL, you'll probably see my my likes in and around all over the place there. So you can find me pretty easy. And that's on Twitter or I guess X now. Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. I don't know. I don't go too crazy. Those Those are probably pretty sufficient. Okay, cool. I'll probably give you a follow very shortly after this is done. Awesome. I recommend everyone else does the same as well. And Mike, also just, we have like a couple of fun little questions for you. Have you ever had a poutine before? I have. Awesome. What is your poutine of choice? Because Kobe's kind of weird and he likes to put bacon on his. That's not weird. It's weird. I have to say, I, I'm not like a poutine, like, you know, I, I just, the basic poutine is good for me. Basic, and only a couple bites. Like I like it, but I don't like it that much. Oh, interesting. Have you ever had a beaver tail before? Yes. And do you have a certain type of... Mm, uh, not a fan. Not a fan? Not a fan? Not a fan. Not a fan. What about not Nanaimo a bars? Not a fan. 
All right, this Not interview's a, done. Goodbye. <laughs> Give me some gelato and Caesar. espresso. Okay? Caesars. Give me gelato and an espresso and a Caesar. Perfect. I'm there we good. go. There we go. I like it. <laughs> then we're good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Mike. You were amazing. Just gave you a follow on X or Twitter, whatever we call it now. Oh, yeah. I forgot to change the name. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to find you on Instagram shortly after. Literally, it's an X. I know. It's, oh, God. It's the only X I enjoy seeing. Ayo, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Great to talk to you, buddy. Yeah, thanks, fellas. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website, www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our Insider Tips, Sponsor Giveaways, and Insider Newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.